If you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to or turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Uh, this, the title of this series that we've been walking through is Happiness is a Serious Problem. And so we've been talking about this issue of happiness and we're talking about this issue of joy. And so when you look at the Beatitudes, every one of the Beatitudes start off with blessed are or happy are or joyful are, however you want to phrase that. But talking about this, this happiness or this joy uh, that, that we can find here on earth. And so this weekend, we're, 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 the title of this message is, is Happiness Through Peace. And so we're going to talk about relationships. And here's what's interesting to me. Jesus spent the most amount of his time on relationships or fleshing this out, forgiveness and reconciliation. And what, is that, what does that look like? Because you know that, right? If you've lived any am amount of time, you've been in relationship with anybody, you know to have a healthy relationship, a good relationship, it takes hard work. So no wonder Jesus said in this beatitude in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, here's what he said. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And so when you look at this, there's tremendous need in our country right now and in relationships right now for just somebody just to be a peacemaker uh, because it seems like there's just a lot of conflict that we're dealing with. And so I want you to notice that he didn't say peace lovers. He said peacemakers. And so a peacemaker, what this, the scripture says, is an individual that actively seeks peace. Uh, making peace requires action, requires effort all the way through the New Testament, whether it's Paul writing uh, or Jesus in the gospel, talks about this issue to, per, uh, to pursue peace and to pursue relationships. And so a, a peacemaker would be someone that when there's conflict would actively uh, get involved or take action to resolve the conflict. And so there's a false belief, I think sometimes, especially in relationships and maybe as it relates to Christians, to where there's some people that will tell you, well, in, in, her, in, in healthy relationships, harmony is like normal. Like it's just normal to have harmony. And when you look at this, you realize that, you know what? We're sinful people, right? And none of us are perfect. And guess what? To have harmony in relationship takes hard work. And it takes hard work to communicate and to forgive and to reconcile and all of those other things. So when you look at this, just in our flesh, our human nature, harmony is not normal. And harmony is not normative. But it is normative for the believer to understand that. And when there's conflict, uh, to forgive and to reconcile and some of those other things. And so, so Jesus, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 10, verse 26 and 28. He said this is to a question as far as what is the greatest commandment. And he said, what is written in the law, he asked him, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Your neighbor as yourself. So it's equal value, equal value between you and your neighbor. And that's important for us to understand forgiveness and for us to understand reconciliation. And he said, you, re you have answered correctly. He told them, do this and you will live. And so Jesus wanted his followers to understand that we should, we should handle relationships differently because we're his. Because that's one of the areas that we can't fake, right? We can fake some other things in Christian life, whether it's Bible reading, worship, and some of those other things. But one of the things you and I cannot fake is how we love how we handle relationships, how we forgive, how we reconcile, and some of those other things. And so this weekend, I, I just want to give you three things. I want to give you three things that if, you, if you'd like to be a peacemaker in the relationships where God has placed you, whether it's in the home, whether it's in a school, whether it's in a business, whether it's in a church or a neighborhood, wherever God has placed you, 
that if you desire to be a peacemaker, for the promise is, blessed, happy are the peacemakers, for they will, they will be called, they will be called sons of God, they will be known as God followers, then, then I want to help you with that. So, so the first thing is this, that if you're going to be a peacemaker, the first thing you and I are going to have to do is we're going to have to learn to diffuse our anger. We're going to have to learn when, when we have been offended, when we have been hurt, we're going to have to learn how do, you, how do you get rid of your anger? How do you diffuse your anger? Now, here's what's interesting. When you, when you look at the Beatitudes, there's some of the Beatitudes that Jesus taught us, and then he just touches on them in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, I told you the Beatitudes are like the intro, the preamble uh, to the Sermon on the Mount. But then when you get into relationships, there's a lot of words given of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount on this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. This is still within the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what he said. He says, you have heard that it was, it was said to our ancestors, do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you... Everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. Now, now we need to understand this verse. And so one of the things, just, just as we get started in unpacking this verse, there is a difference between murder and, and, and killing. Murder is when you take a life and you do not have the authority to take a life. That is murder. And, and so... When you look at this, you realize that there's times in law enforcement, military in, in engagement, sometimes in the judicial system, that you take a life, but that is not murder. That is killing. There's a difference, and Scripture makes a difference. So, so we need to understand that you and I are free today because men and women have fought for our freedom, and that is not, that is not murder. And so Jesus says that if you want healthy relationships, then you and I, it starts with working on the interior of your heart. And so we've looked at this, and Jesus made reference to that in the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's where he started, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then your neighbor, that's one of the reasons I love how the CSB uh, fleshes out. Uh, some translations say, love your neighbor as yourself. But he says, your neighbor as yourself. In other words, mutual value, uh, equal value. Because we, we know this, right? As humans and in relationships, we're all going to be offended. We're all going to be hurt. We're, and so the question is, is what do you do with your anger? What do you do with your hurt and what do you do with your pain? And so when Jesus used this word of anger in the Greek, it was talking about this individual that was just, he, just habitually angry. In other words, it was this mindset that he harbored continual anger. And so as a result of that, it was something unresolved in the past and it was just this habitual anger to where they, 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 they wanted, they wanted to, uh, they wanted to uh, get even or they wanted to do something to the, to the other person. Or it was this constant destructive mindset of trying to hurt them or trying to get, get, get angry and, or, or, or get even with that person. And so you, you hear that person's name, you, they walk into the room, you hear a story about them, and you immediately get angry. And you immediately get frustrated. This is what Jesus is talking about, this, issue, this individual. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, Paul writes this about anger. He says, be angry and do not sin. And, do, do not, and don't let the sun, the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. And so what he's talking about, he's talking about this issue of anger. And anger is an emotion. It's not a primary emotion, it's a secondary emotion, which simply means this. Something has to drive your anger, and something has to drive my anger. And so what the Scripture says, it starts with an offense. 
It starts with an offense, and if there's not, if there's not forgiveness, it can move to bitterness, it can move to resentment, and then it, it can move to difficulty in a relationship. And so what Jesus said, what the Apostle Paul said, that there's only one way to get rid of anger. There's only one way to diffuse your anger, and that is this issue of forgiveness. Now listen, this weekend we're going to talk about forgiveness and reconciliation, and those are two different things. And, those, and we're going to understand that. Forgiveness, it only takes one. But reconciliation, it takes, it, it, it takes two. It takes two peacemakers. It takes two people willing to work towards, work towards peace. And so when you look at this issue, there's some people that they'll get offended and they'll have some anger and they decide, you know what, it's just, it's just like no big deal. And so they'll just kind of push it under the rug or they'll sweep it under the rug. And, and so but the problem is that can, that can destroy some, some relationships. That's, that's why the Bible says don't let the sun go down on, on your anger. I mean, deal with it. I mean, deal with it immediately. I mean, that's when one of the principles in canonized marriage that we're never going to go to bed angry. And so, but there's been plenty of times we've stayed awake for like four weeks straight. Usually because of me. We just stayed awake four weeks. And so, but he's not saying literally, right? He's not saying just make sure what he's saying is deal with it quickly. Deal with it quickly before resentment builds and bitterness builds and some of these other things build in your life. Because listen, if you don't, if you don't diffuse your anger, if you don't get it out in the open, if you believe, you know what, it's no big deal. And here's what I've learned. When I push it down and say it's no big deal, you know what? My stomach keeps score. There's medical evidence. I could give you one medical report after another what, for, what unforgiveness medically will do to you and medically will do to me. And so when you look at this, if you take and you decide, you know what, it's no big deal, I'm going to push it then down and then or sweep it under the rug, then the next time you have conflict with that individual, you know what you do? You open up the rug and you deal with the present offense and everything else. That's when you bring everything else, and it's never helpful and so to diffuse anger in your life, you have to do two things. You have to come to place, and you've got to realize it is dangerous. It, it is dangerous to me. It, it's, it's hurting my mental health. It's hurting my happiness. That's where we started, right? Uh, blessed, happy is the person, uh, is the peacemaker, because they will be called sons of God. So you have to come to place and realize, you know what? It's destructive. It's destructive in my relationships. It's destructive in the situation. And then you have to understand its cause. Because I told you, anger is a, not a primary emotion. It's a secondary emotion. And so what is driving this anger? What is driving this? What offense? What drives anger or offense? Because it starts, the scripture says over and over, look at this, Matthew chapter 24, 10. This is Jesus. And he says, and then many will be offended. And will betray one another and will hate one another. So Jesus is talking about like the progression of this issue of offense. So when we carry, and that's where just where it starts, when we carry offense and we don't diffuse it and we don't get rid of it and we don't forgive, then all of a sudden it can drive, it can drive our anger. And so Jesus is talking about the one that's habitually angry, but, but he, told this, he told this story. He talked to a group of people. It's not a story. He, talked, he confronted a group of people. John chapter 6, verse 60, I'll read it all the way through 66. He says, he says, therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? So Jesus is speaking the truth. He's speaking the truth in love. Verse 61, Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, asked, uh, about this, ask them, does this offend you? Are you carrying an offense? 
Are you offended by what I said? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some among you who, who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not, who did not believe and, and the one who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. From that moment, many of his disciples turned, uh, turned back and no longer accompanied him. So when you look at this issue of offense, you realize offense is a serious thing. It can, keep, it can keep people walking with Jesus. It can keep people from walking with him. It can keep people from entering into a relationship with him because of maybe they're offended by something that's said in Scripture or maybe they're offended of, 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 of something that Jesus has said. But Jesus spoke the truth and love to them. And listen, this can happen in our relationships as well, right? It's this issue of offense, that can keep people from walking together, and it can, drive, it can drive our anger. Forgiveness, listen, forgiveness and reconciliation, what Jesus is, forgiveness and reconciliations are a means to godly relationships, are a means to healthy relationships. Forgiveness and reconciliation are a means to be a peacemaker. And so when you look at this, you realize, that, and it's interesting to me, that we are commanded to forgive because that's one side. I mean, it benefits us. It doesn't so much benefit the, uh, the other individual. It initially benefits us. And so we're commended to forgive, but we're given the ministry of reconciliation. And so when you understand that, you, you understand about this issue of forgiveness and reconciliation. Jesus st said it, it starts with an offense. When you look in the Greek, just real quickly, when you look in the Greek, the word offense means scandal, or the, the, the word, the Greek word for the English word offense is scandalon. It's where we get our word scandalous. Scandalon meant to pick up a stone or a stumbling stone or a, a snare. And so when someone does something scandalous against you, when someone offends you, when someone hurts you, that all of a sudden you realize what the scripture says, that that is a snare or that is a trap. An offense will enter into, an, uh, into a, a trap or a snare in a relationship that if, if you're not careful and you don't do something about it, can end the relationship. And so you're in a relationship with someone and, and they offend you, so you have a choice. You can keep walking with them, you can act like it's no, no big deal, or you can allow it to turn into anger. When you look at this issue of forgiveness, you realize forgiveness is a process. I mean, there's like this, this uncovering phase where you got to uncover what offended you and what is what is driving your anger and what is driving your frustration then you know what i've learned there's a decision phase am i going to forgive i mean i mean i got to make that decision nobody can make that decision for you that's a person am i going to come to the place and i'm going to forgive and then then i just referred to it as like the work phase because that's the work of forgiveness in your heart to where you're going to have to learn to extend grace you're going to have to learn to forgive. And then there's this, there's this deepening phase. This is what I've noticed. And there's a deepening phase. There's a, a discovery of like new freedom, of joy and, and release from emotional pain. I mean, Proverbs talked about this a lot. Proverbs chapter uh, 10, verse 12, it, it says this. It, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love, love covers forgiveness. Okay, Forgiveness covers all offenses. Uh, Proverbs 17, 9. 
Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. And, and so now all of a sudden you realize that this issue of unforgiveness uh, can, can be destructive. And so you and I, in, in the decision phase, we got to determine, are, are we going to forgive? And what, what, what leads a lot of us to do that is you have to come to a place and say, you know, I'm going to forgive for me. I can't keep carrying this. I just can't keep carrying this. And I could give you medical report. It's amazing how many medical reports that I've read that what unforgiveness does just medically to the person that just carries unforgiveness. It, the loss of sleep, uh, loss of passion of life, loss of joy, some of, just some of those other things. And then you, you realize that you receive freedom from, from your anger and bitterness and resentment. And, and, and so you have to come to the place to where you decide, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to have to forgive. I'm going to have to walk through that, that process. And, and just so we're clear, because I think this is some of the things that keeps people from forgiving. When you forgive someone, it is not saying what they did to you is okay. You're not even saying it's no big deal. You're not even, you're not even uh, uh, giving approval to what they did, that it was no big deal. You're not giving in. You're not, you're not doing any of those things. Forgiveness is saying, you offended me and it hurt me deeply, but I choose for me. I choose to forgive. I don't, I don't want to keep carrying this. I don't want to carry this resentment. I don't want to carry this, this bitterness and this anger because it is affecting me and it affects other relationships that is totally non-related to, 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 to you. And so when we don't forgive, many times we don't forgive because we, we, just, we just don't want to or we don't think we need to. And sometimes people don't forgive because they just they don't know how. One of them, here's the interesting thing and about this issue of forgiveness. A lot of people have asked me as a pastor, hey, how do you know when you've forgiven? I mean, how do you know? How do you know when you've really forgiven and you've really released? Because that's some kind of spiritual thing that we do. I, I forgive you. Is there any way that I can know? And so I've thought about that a lot through Scripture and through my life and ministry and, and some of the other things. And, and I've come up with like, like four promises that we need to make to ourselves or four promises that we need to make and keep so that we, we know that we know we've forgiven. And, and one of the things, one of the most immediate ways we know we've forgiven, we no longer dwell on the hurt. We no longer dwell on the pain. We no, we no longer ruminate. Psychologists, counselors call it rumination. We no longer ruminate on it. We, we no longer stay awake at night rehearsing it over and, and playing that tape and putting that, that, that tape on, on, on replay uh, or repeat, whatever they call it now. We used to call it repay, replay. I don't know what you call it now because I don't even, I don't even pod, that's all confusing to me. So anyway. <laughs> so we don't need to process out my lack of technology. So, so the first thing is this, you don't, you don't dwell on the incident. Another thing is, is you just come to the place where you don't bring up the incident again, again, or, or use it against somebody. If you're bringing up an incident in the past that you said you're forgiven and you're using it against someone, then chances are you have not forgiven. You have not been released of that. Or another one is, I will not talk to others about this incident. 
I will not, when I'm out with my girlfriends or I'm out with the guys on the golf course or wherever, I'm not telling them how such and such hurt me or what they did to me. And I want to, I'm not no longer wanting to make sure everybody knew or, or knows how someone hurt me or betrayed me. And another one is, I will not let this incident stand between us and hinder our personal relationship. I've come to the place that I'm able to forgive. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense. In other words, forgiveness. He's just talking about forgiveness. So that's just the first principle. And um, I know the first point was long, but we're still going to get out in a normal time. How's that? So the second principle is, is this, is we must learn to control our time. We must learn. Listen, I'm just telling you, we must learn, me included. We must learn to control our tongue. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 61, going back to the teaching of Jesus when he spoke to a group, he said, Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, asked them, does this offend you? So how did Jesus know they were offended? He heard them grumbling. Ever have someone grumble around you, talk about you under their breath? Uh, you know, you know they're murmuring, you know they're grumbling. You couldn't make out exactly what they were saying, but you know it wasn't positive about you, right? And so Jesus heard them grumbling, and all of a sudden he just asked. I mean, he came to the place, he said, I hear you grumbling. Does this, does this offend you? Matthew chapter 5, verse, verse 22, look at this. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, we really need to understand that phrase, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. So that's a strong language, right? That Jesus says, if you refer to someone as you fool, then all of a sudden you're, you're subject to hell. That's what he's saying. You're subject to eternal separation from God. So we better understand what it means to say you're fool. So it's not saying someone's foolish. It's not saying someone's very, not very smart. In the Greek, that's one word. That's raka. And raka literally meant in their culture in the Greek that you are condemning somebody to hell. You're condemning someone to eternal separation from God. In our terms, raka would be like, go to hell. Or I wished you were in hell. Or I hope you burn in hell. And sometimes you see that on social media, right? That there's some people that make memes and post things about people that they dislike. And they say, I hope, I hope you burn in hell. I hope you get what you were deserved. And so what Jesus would say, if you come to the place and you don't understand, you don't understand this and you don't understand the Beatitudes and the teachings of Jesus, if you come to the place that you want to condemn someone to a literal hell, separation from God, then you need to be careful. You may be in danger. This is what Jesus is talking about. That you better come to the place, listen, you better come to the place with your anger to where you're able to diffuse it to where you don't say things. You can control your tongue, you can control your mouth, and you understand the teachings of Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be known, they will be called sons of God. It will be obvious that they're sons of God. So the last principle is simply this. We must learn to reconcile our differences. And I think in this area of reconciliation, I think that's where a lot of us uh, really struggle. What is reconciliation? How do we reconcile in a he healthy way? Because we're commanded, it's, it's interesting to this, we're commanded to forgive, we're given the ministry of reconciliation, we're given the, 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 the encouragement, and so watch this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, and Jesus says, so if you're offering your gift at the altar, so you're, you're, you're on your way to church, you're offering your gift at the altar, 
And there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. And so someone's carrying an offense. Leave your gift there in front of the altar first and go be um, reconciled with your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. So he's talking about reconciliation, and, and I just want to be careful. He's talking about reconciliation in healthy relationships, okay? I mean, there are times in life that, that the, all you can, are going to be able to do is forgive, but the, re, the relationship, the person is so toxic, it was abusive, it was difficult, and it wouldn't be safe to reconcile. So I, I just want to be clear with that. And so you can carry what Jesus is saying. You can carry an offense to where it affects your worship. That ever happened to you? You've been at odds with a, with a spouse or a, a, a child or a close friend or a relationship, someone you go to church with, someone you work with, and you're in worship, and, and, and all of a sudden it hinders your worship. We're, we're singing songs to like, like forgiveness and love and some of those other things, and all you can think about is that incident or that person. And so what Jesus is saying, that this issue of, of unforgiveness, if you will, can hinder your relationship with him, it can hinder your worship. And so, so he says, well, well go. Go and, and reconcile. And, and some of them, some of them is, wasn't a huge offense. And all, all that is needed is like an apology, a hug, a handshake, or I'm sorry and talk about it. But then in, in, in other situations, reconciliation takes deep work, even in healthy relationships. And when you look at this, you realize that there's like, there, there, there's not like one pat formula. There's not one formula that fits all. But the problem is there's a lot of people that tend to like retaliation more than reconciliation. And that's when you know you're carrying unforgiveness, that I'll just, I'll just wait, and I'll bring it up in an opportune time, and I'll just let you know all the stuff that you've done. I'll unpack the rug, and I'll let you know all the stuff that you've done in the past to hurt me. And so Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So I, I, I thought about this a lot. And then I was watching the open and, and saw the bridge, right? You know, the famous bridge that everybody walks over, everybody gets their picture when they go. And I thought, you know what? There's, there's, there's a bridge to reconciliation. Forgiveness takes one person. Reconciliation takes two. So if you picture a bridge and you picture the framework of a bridge, it takes two people standing on the other side and then laying four planks together to lay across the bridge so that you can meet in the middle, so that you can reconcile. And so the first plank that everybody has to lay down is you've got to decide whether you're going to reconcile or not, how and when and what that's going to look. When is the right time? When is the right time to have that conversation, that discussion? And then you have to lay that down. Then the second plank you have to lay down is you have to, you have to discuss past hurts, past offenses, past transgressions with a soft attitude. That's why you have to forgive first. Without personal attacks, without any of those other things, without making it personal, without degrading them or something like that to where you're, you're just able. You're able because forgiveness has taken the sting out of it to where you're able to talk with a soft attitude. And then you have to detoxify your past relationships. Again, get to the place to where you can have a healthy conversation without making it personal and all those accusations and those other things. And then here's the most important. And then we have to devote ourselves to building up a relationship 
of mutual value. Now, I'm going to read for you in just a few moments the most, in my mind, the most misunderstood scripture teaching of Jesus in Christian circles that is misapplied in this area. And so here's what he says, Matthew chapter 5. Remember, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is fleshing this out about peacemakers. And so here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 verse 40, and through 42. So he says, so you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone who slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. So a lot of people think, oh, I'm supposed to be a doormat. I'm not supposed to have a voice. I'm just, I'm supposed to take it. As for the one who wants to, to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So, so the verse that is quoted a lot of times in relationships is this issue that if anyone slaps you on the cheek, give him the right one also. You got to, you know what? I don't even know if this will work. David, come here. David's going to help me with this illustration. And so you, okay. I miss you. You need to. Sorry. I'm sorry, right. guys. So I only have three minutes left. Okay, so sorry. You're wasting. We didn't practice this. So we didn't practice this. So don't worry, I'm not going to hit you hard. I didn't hit you either. Okay. <laughs> let, me, let me have it. All right. So, so, because I, I need you to picture this. This is how it says. So, David, we're face to face. And so it says, turn to the right, right? And so, but you look at me. And so they would, they would never use their left hand. Why? Because in their culture, their left hand's dirty. So if I slap him, he's looking at me. I have to slap him with the back of my right hand. So if I slap him with the, right of, with the back of my right hand, you know what that is? I'm saying that you're less than. I'm saying that, that you're lesser of value. So what Jesus says, if someone slaps you on the left, turn and give them your right cheek. Now, the right cheek, you can turn. Thank you. And then now, now I have to slap him I have to slap him with an open palm of the right hand. When I do that, you know what that's saying? I'm of equal value. I'm of equal value. Thank you, David. That was excellent. So, so, that, so here's what that's saying because I wanted, to, I wanted this to help you. See, what, what is happening is when you reconcile, you make them say, I'm of equal value. I am not a doormat. Don't talk down to me. So what he's saying, see, a lot of us, we reconcile way too soon. And we, cons we confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. And as a result, we reconcile way too soon. Because if you reconcile properly, it inspires people to better behavior in the future. Right? If you just sweep it on the rug and say it's no big deal, nobody ever changes, right? And so what Jesus is trying to help us on is that's why he goes on and says, if, if someone asks you to walk a mile, walk, walk two miles. Why? why? We're equal value. Someone asks for something, give him a coat. Why? Because we're, we're equal value. See, this is why Jesus says, go and be reconciled and be peacemakers. I'm telling you, being a peacemaker in relationships, it is hard work. 
It is hard work to come to the place to say, you know what? I'm, of, I'm not of lesser value. I'm of equal value. Because here's the danger. When you and I, listen, I'm just telling you, when you and I carry resentment, it will destroy you. Resentment is like setting yourself on fire and hoping it, the smoke bothers the other person. And all it does is burn you. And all it does is destroy you. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There are some people you may not be able to live at peace with. There are some people you may not be able to reconcile with because they're not willing to put in the four planks on their side of the bridge that you can walk over and meet in the middle. To where you and I come to the place to understand and say, guess what, forgiveness, one-sided. I, I need to do it for me. So I don't carry this resentment and bitterness and anger and destroying my, my joy and some of those other things. And now I'm going to reconcile because I value the relationship and this is what it looks like. Joseph and his brothers, and we'll close with this. Joseph's, Joseph's brothers betrayed him, sold him, dumped him in a pit. And so, G, and so Joseph was in the pit and, and, um, and in slavery, basically, and it took, him, it took him 20 years. A lot of theologians believe it took him 20 years to come to the place that he could forgive and that he could reconcile with his brothers. And this is when he first saw his brothers. This is what he said to them in jo Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. He said, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? In other words, equal value. I am not God over you. I'm not judging you. All of a sudden, Joseph came to that place and says, oh, equal value, not lesser value. And so Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. So he is honest about the offense. He was honest about the hurt. He was honest about the pain. But he said, I need to tell you, God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, again, don't be for, afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And then he was the one that comforted them, spoke kindly to them, and then later on in the story had to pray for them. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Is there anyone you need to forgive? Is there anyone that you need to release? Are you carrying an offense that you need to get rid of? And if you've done that, is there anybody that you need to reconcile with? with a soft attitude, laying the planks of saying we're of equal value and I desire to work this out and to be in a relationship with you. Whatever God is asking you to do, would you just be obedient to him and do it? Would you just bow your heads with me and, and close your eyes?